0: Welcome to The Art of Charm, I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best coaches in the industry to teach you guys how to crush it in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise, packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a concise curriculum. We've created one of the premier men's lifestyle programs available anywhere, and it's free. This is the show we wish we had a decade ago. Now, this show is about you, and we're here to help you become the best man you can be in every area of your life. Make sure to stay up to date with everything going on here and get some free eBooks and drills and exercises that will help you become more charismatic and confident by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. If you're new to the show but you want to know more about what we teach here at The Art of Charm, listen to The Art of Charm Toolbox at theartofcharmpodcast.com toolbox. That's where we've got the fundamentals of dating and attraction such as body language, eye contact, vocal tonality, including some episodes on breakups and relationship management. That's where all the basics are, so get a handle on that first. We've got boot camps running every single month here in Hollywood, California. Details on those at theartofcharm.com. Looking forward to meeting all you guys here at AOC. Today, we're talking with Dr. Heidi Reeder, author of Commit to Win. And I can't help but think this book is pretty awesome. We're going to talk about what commitment is and, more importantly, what it isn't. And this isn't just relationship commitment, this is commitment with anything. Although we're going to focus a little bit more on relationships than, say, business and entrepreneurship in this one. We're also going to talk about how to flex our commitment muscles and learn to invest and commit for real. And we're also going to talk about something called the commitment equation, which is going to help with all of that. We're also going to hit why emotionally investing is something that can help you commit for better or worse. And science is finally going to answer the question about whether we should live together before marriage, which I found fascinating. So don't miss that, at least and the emotional components of commitment and rationalization. Why ignoring our options is a great strategy for relationships and commitment. And of course, we're going to wrap with a fashion tip from Aaron Marino. So enjoy this one with Heidi Reeder. So you're a PhD. You've wrote a book called Commit to Win, which is interesting because it's kind of like, well, isn't that just the same? Isn't commitment just the same thing as willpower and determination? And I mean... You know, I get that it's like you're you're a blogger, right? You write for Psychology Today, and you've been on the Today Show and stuff like that. Isn't isn't it just the same thing as like keep on trucking? Or is there a difference between commitment and those things?
1: There's a totally a difference, and not that those things aren't valuable. Those are huge. You know, willpower, you know, can get you through the day, right? It can get you through a conversation. You know, I'm not going to say something like
0: this one with me, right?
1: <laughs> That's right. You know, will myself to not say something totally stupid, right? But commitment, it has a much longer term, it's a much longer term process. So I might have motivation for a day. Haven't we all experienced this? Or I'm super motivated right now, but am I really committed long term? And commitment means even on the days I'm not motivated or even the days I totally screw something up, I come back to it because I value it
0: at that level. That's that's a good point because I, I see a lot of, I go to a lot of entrepreneur events and stuff like that and you see people whose businesses grow over time and things like that. And there's a lot of ups and downs in any business process or relationships. We see that too. Like, oh, it's so great. And you see people who don't have, they sort of lack a certain level of maturity where it's fun to print up your business cards and make the t-shirts and design the website and make drawings of the prototype and figure out how it might work. But when you're in the office at 4 a.m., all your prototypes are broken. There's a problem you can't solve. And it looks like you might have to redesign the whole thing. Are you going to go screw it, let's go play video games, or yeah, you, gonna... when
1: you find that out, right? right that's
0: when you yeah. find out that stuff. And that's the same thing in a relationship. You you know, you and I, I'm oh, sure totally. you've, you've seen this, your friends do this, our clients have done this, you're in love with somebody, and it's amazing, and everything's so great. And then, you know, six months goes on three months, whatever it is. And it's like, you're not feeling that super dopamine blast in your brain anymore. Right. And then the person's like, I'm really busy with work and you get stressed out and then you get in like a fight over something stupid. And then instead of being like, Oh, this is a natural part of the cycle. I really like this person. There's more good than bad. So many people just go meh and then they break up with somebody and start fresh. And there's always those guys and girls that will constantly be chasing something new because they're essentially chasing that dopamine rush, right? Right. Or that, or whatever it is. There's
1: lots of evidence about that. And going back to your original question about, you know, kind of motivation versus commitment you know, being motivated to meet someone and being motivated, you know, that's really critical. You're not going to have a relationship start without that. But motivation is not the same thing as having that long term perspective and being able to 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 stick in there and, and find the good and create the good. But, you know, we don't want to we don't want to set commitment up as like the Mecca of all everything wonderful. Right. I mean, there are some things we commit to that were a bad idea. and We should, probably should let go of them. You know, so we got to factor that in at some point, too.
0: That's true. That's yeah, of course. Maybe we can talk about that in a little bit. Um but I mean, everything commitment is at the foundation of pretty much every single great accomplishment. I'm sure there's some stuff that that isn't, but I haven't thought of any. Olympics, staying married, staying in a relationship if you're not the marriage type whatever. Uh but there's there's always any business anything like that. It's basically this show right I mean I've been doing this for seven and a half years
1: you can't become successful without commitment you know and I think we do think that in this day and age sometimes it's like well I should be able to just go work out for a couple months and then I'll get into the Olympics you know ask ask any you know a high-level athlete it takes a lot more than they ever planned on and I'm sure doing a show like this you've invested so much more than maybe you even realized at the beginning
0: oh man I feel like I just sort of side now I feel like I just learned how to do a podcast and it I I've been doing it for almost eight years, and I, I literally look that's back. That's a and, big
1: learning curve, yeah. That's, it, uh,
0: you know it, what I mean? Yeah. And and there's so many new podcasters out there, and they're like, "Oh, this is really easy. You just need this one microphone, and then you talk into it, and then you might want to cut out some of the flubs, and then you have a podcast." And I'm like, "Well, there's a reason that yours has you know 500 downloads, and ours has a million.
1: Yeah, because yours sounds kind of kind of crappy.
0: Right? Yeah, and it's it's and it's not just the the tech. I mean, there's a lot of personality that goes into things. There's things you can say that sound good on, on radio. And I've said all the wrong things in the last eight years for sure. And come across as a sleazebag or an a-hole or whatever, and just listened and gotten feedback over and over and over. And you realize, wow. Okay. When we first started this and people were like, you guys are naturals. That was just them being nice. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Right.
1: Exactly. Eight years later, you really are a natural.
0: Yeah. Eight years later, overnight success.
1: Yes. Yeah. yes. It's the American dream.
0: Yeah. Uh, but let's define commitment then because okay. obviously it's not willpower or determination. So what the hell is it?
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. A lot of people don't even think about, you know, what what does this thing even mean, right?
0: I never thought about it. I mean, I thought no. it was sticking it out, discipline. That's what my dad would tell me. And
1: those go into it. You know, those go into it. But there's a bigger picture here. And so the definition I use is from social psychology. So maybe another field would define it differently. Um, But it's being psychologically attached to something and intending to stick with it. So the part that we often forget is this, am I psychologically attached to this? Am I really like I this is a part of me in some way, you know, there's some say relationships, for example, where you're just doing it. Maybe you'll even continue it for a while, but are you really psychologically attached to this person Um, that you might be starting a business that you're like, well, my dad wants me to start a business or whatever. I got to show him. I got the spirit, you know, entrepreneurial spirit. That's different than like, you're at night and you wake up and you have ideas and you think, I really need to do this. I really need to put myself into this. And it's a really great question to ponder, you know, what are you psychologically attached to? What are you determined? So there is that determination piece to stick with. And and then what are the things that you kind of like, you're just doing them out of habit, maybe?
0: Yeah, there's, well, that's for sure. There's a lot of that, of course, as well. So Is there research behind this or were you just like, you know what? I'm going to write a book and damn it. I need a unique topic.
1: (laughs) My, um, focus in my career is taking a really interesting, very rigorous social science research and finding the application for it. So I think anybody, well, we know. God bless you, because
0: otherwise that research would do nobody any good, right?
1: Which I think happens all too often, you know, are just so many great, interesting communication journals, social psychology journals, you know, sociology journals and And how do we get that information? And fortunately, you know, today's age, people are actually interested in what we would call evidence-based information. So not like my advice, you know, out of nowhere, but it's based in in evidence that's been rigorously conducted in scientific forms. And so, for example, the the main uh, premise behind the book is based on 40 years of research and the themes and the trends that have come out from that.
0: Yeah, that makes that's that's makes a lot of sense. And it's definitely true. Back in the day, you'd hear something like, if you cut your hair off, if you shave that it's going to grow back thicker. And it's like, no, that's just really no, completely that's untrue. So true. Right.
1: <laughs> that's so true. And some of us still like have that in the back of our head, right? That sort of like, you know, I don't know if you'd call it an old wives. Tale, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, and we're still like, Oh, man, maybe I shouldn't, you know, pluck that or whatever.
0: Right. And, and it's funny, because it's, smart people will do it too. And you think these people are, you know, even doctors will say something like, Oh yes. Whenever you cut a hair, it grows back thicker. And then you can tell that they're kind of thinking, did I learn that in medical school or did my grandma say that once? Right.
1: We do that all the time. Right. We say something as if it's true. And then you say, wait, where did I get that piece of information? Right. And so it's really fun to be able to go look at research, you know, where somebody has set up a design, they've set up an experiment of some kind, they've tracked patterns, and they're able to say, well, you know, here's what's, here's what there really is evidence, you know, or not for something.
0: Right. So, so we have evidence or you have evidence that we're going to talk about that commitment is different than those different than willpower and determination, and also that it's, it it breeds success, and that's not really a shock to people, right?
1: No, you know, I think the shock is... That you don't just decide to be committed and then it breeds success. That's the real myth is just wake up today and be committed and then I'll be successful. Um, As the research shows, there's actually a lot of factors that go into whether or not we're going to be committed and how committed we'll be. And so I think everybody's had that feeling like, wait a second, I told myself I was going to be committed to this. Why am I not? Well, let's take a step back and look at the factors that affect why you're committed. And can we change any of those? And do we want to?
0: Yeah, that's so true. You know, if I had a, if literally if I had a nickel for every time someone said, I'm saving up for the program that you guys offer, but never registered, I would already be retired. And oh, you know, have that's a anyway. good
1: retirement plan. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It would be great. But, you know, um, unfortunately, most people say that. I, I even write them back when they say that, and I go, I'll probably never hear from you again, statistically speaking. Yes, and, and and then of course speaking,
1: that's right. You've been counting the, you've been answering right. the data here.
0: Yeah, I'm like statistically speaking, you are actually. You don't even know that you're full of crap. And then they go, no, no, no. I know everyone says this, but I'm different. And I go, oh, you know what's funny? Everyone says that too. Yeah. And they mean it at the time. They actually mean it at the time.
1: Well, that's that's the thing right there is that we we bandy about that word commitment, and we we think that when we say we're committed, it means that we are.
0: Right. No, yeah.
1: anybody can say you know I because it's a promise.
0: It. It's that's what people are thinking is that it's a and promise.
1: That is a di- that is a really big difference too. The difference between promising to do something and being psychologically attached to doing it.
0: So that's what a commitment is.
1: Yes. Right. So there's a difference between saying, you know, to your kid, like I promised to go to all your, you know, soccer matches this year and being psychologically attached to it. Like I'm going to be there, you know, no matter what it takes, even if like the coffee machine's broken or whatever, I'm going to get over there because I, you know, yeah. I, the I coffee say,
0: machine's broken? That's a terrible excuse.
1: I'm. For me, that maybe could be the end of the world. So I'm just throwing it out there. I um, want to
0: invest in a backup coffee maker. Just, <laughs> just, just throwing it out there.
1: Starbucks all around, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but you're right. Yeah. I, I know I, not, I, I didn't mean no, to cut no, off your point there. Right.
1: No. And I, and, I, and I even say, you know, maybe I'm going too far here, but I even say, you know, a person's wedding day, they say their vows. Though, that's really making a promise. Commitment is everything that happens, you know, every day after that.
0: That's an interesting philosophy or slash point, right? Because you're right. Everything's great on your wedding day. Of course you want to make that last forever. What happens when she's sick or you're a mess and she loses her job and gets really fat and you're, you know, miserable and your kids are driving right. you crazy and you find out that she owes a bunch of money to somebody else and because she got sued? It sounds and... like
1: you're talking from personal experience. No,
0: not at all. No. Not at all. But, I mean, it ha- you hear this all the time. Like, people get sued or... That their loved ones get sick. And so you're holding the bag or you find out one of the kids isn't yours or something. And it's like, did you love that person? Yeah,
1: those or are bad. Those are bad. Well, and, and, and here's where I want to stick in that little qualifier again, which is there is at no point in the book or, or in my life that I would ever say to something, someone commitment is always good. And no right. matter what goes wrong, you should always stick with it. I mean, oh, those are exactly agreed. the kind of factors That are going to bring your commitment level down, but there's other things that could keep it up. And so it's really all about, you know, is this in balance?
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And I just want people to be clear. If one of the kids isn't yours, you you can run. I won't judge you. Um, But definitely people get bored in marriage and they treat it like a regular relationship, like they're dating in high school.
1: Yeah. And um, there's, still, there's a lot of things that you can do about that. Again, the research, you know, I mean, it doesn't sound very sexy to say that the research talks about love and how to keep it alive, but there actually is a lot of really great research on that.
0: So what are the research-based factors that predict commitment or that, like, factor in here?
1: Yeah, so there's four main factors, and I won't go through the long story of how they came up with these or all the evidence surrounding them. We can right. talk a little bit about that if we want, but let me just give you the bottom line on it. The four main factors that predict commitment – um, I call them treasures, troubles, contributions, and choices. And the the quick the quick version of it is it's kind of like an equation, like a little more of this and a little less of this, with a little more of this and a little less of this will make you more committed.
0: Interesting.
1: So if you have a high level of treasures, so what are treasures? I really value. Elements of this. I'm being rewarded by this. I can see the benefits of this, right? Both intrinsically, but maybe also extrinsically. So, if it were a job, say, you know, do I feel like this is using my creativity? Is it using my skills? Do I have a good parking spot? You know, do people think I'm doing a good job? Is my salary okay? All those things could go into what I treasure about the job. So, the more of that, the better. But then you've got to compare that, which we all do this naturally. We know, I think we know we do this. We compare that with what I call the troubles, right? So I I don't have a good parking spot. I actually have to take, you know, the subway really far and it's really annoying and um, my boss treats me poorly and um, I'm not being taken seriously and, you know, I just, you know, I'm not getting any of the benefits that I see my friends getting, right? So you're sort of balancing that out in your head, like how much do I really treasure this versus what are the troubles that come along with it? And that in and of itself will determine your level of satisfaction, now, a lot of people think satisfaction will equal commitment, right? Like if I'm satisfied, I'll stay. If I'm not satisfied, I'll leave. That right. that seems logical, right? And if yeah. people were like 100% logical, um, if we were robotic, maybe, you know, that's that maybe would determine our commitment. But there's two other factors. So that's a big factor, but there's two other factors. Do you want me to keep going? I don't want to
0: be Yeah, all- no, no, these, this makes sense. I, I want people to be able to wrap their head around this stuff too because it, it's really – you know, we're, we've just debunked what commitment is in terms of willpower and the fact that you can't just promise to be committed. So now we're totally lost, right? Like, how do we build our commitment? So what is it
1: then? Right. Yeah, what is it? So your commitment is predicted, and this is where the scientific stuff comes in, is that they can actually predict how committed somebody will be by measuring how much they treasure something, whether it's the job relationship or goal um, versus how much trouble they find in the situation. Um, plus what I call contributions, which is what have I already given to this thing? What have I given in terms of time, resources, money, creativity? It's an investment when you commit to something, right? So the more you give your time and energy and creativity to something, the more you're going to be committed to it.
0: Ah, Okay. So that's really interesting. And that makes perfect sense, right? right? People invest a lot of time in a business that's terrible or a relationship that's terrible.
1: So much great research on that. Yeah. And when it's a, when it's purely negative, they, one of the ways they describe it is a sunk cost effect. Yes. You've heard of that where, you know, I've already paid to go see this band. And so even though the band is terrible, I'm going to stay and listen to it. You know, it's like, well, now you paid for it and you have to listen to a crappy band. You could have, you know, you've already paid for it. You might as well leave and go enjoy your evening. Right. right. So from a commitment perspective, if it's, if you're committing to something that you value, like a relationship or a new business investing in it is the best thing you can do because then when there are the hard days, you don't leave, right? Because you want to stick it out and make good on all you've contributed.
0: All right, back to the show. Interesting. Okay, so we-
1: you see how it's an equation, right?
0: I do, yeah. I'm starting to wrap my head around that as well.
1: minus troubles plus contributions. Okay, you ready for the last factor now? Absolutely. Okay, so it's treasures minus troubles plus contributions minus choices. Now, we're talking about perception here. Do I perceive that I have other options that are even better than this, right? Ooh. So if I look around and I go, man, this is, really, I, this is really the best job I can see myself getting, even if my satisfaction is not you know, totally great, if I think it's the best that I can do, then I'm going to be more committed. But if I look around and I go, wow, look at all these great options, that I'm going to be less committed to whatever I have. And so there's a, and it's in perception because sometimes you think you have a lot of great options and you don't. And other times you assume you have no options when really you do, you know? So you got to be, you know, kind of honest with yourself um, in that, in that fourth category.
0: Yeah. that That's actually really funny. I remember um, letting someone go from the art of charm. And one of the things that he said, this person was kind of lazy, very disorganized and really wasn't getting it done. Even though everybody liked him, we finally let him go and, we said, what are you going to do, you know? And he goes, I think I'm going to go work for Google or Facebook. And I literally <laughs> yeah. started laughing. Yes. And I thought, no wonder you didn't like it here and you didn't get anything done. You actually thought those were options.
1: Right. And and the more time he fantasized about those options, the less committed he was to where he was. That's exactly, exactly how it works. And even little things, you know, I, I warn people against things that they think are – You know, minor. But if you're perusing the job ads, on you know, online, you know, that's going to reduce your commitment to wherever you are. If you're in a relationship, but you're looking at, you know, whatever that online dating, you know, sites are, whatever. You think, ah, no, I'm just looking around. I think it's fun to read these or whatever. That could actually be significantly affecting because you're saying, well, I have lots of options. So why get attached? Because remember, commitment is a psychological attachment, right? So why get overly attached to this job or this person or this goal if I have all these other options?
0: So is that why guys who work in nightlife industry or rock stars or musicians or people who are always – in high value positions with access to lots of other potential partners have trouble in relationships.
1: Absolutely. In fact, I would love to go through some time and do a blog. I should probably do this on just why, not, not why we should give them a break, but, but in a way why we should give say actors a break because just scientifically, you know, the factors are set up against them. Um, you know, because, they have so many other choices, and their investments aren't as big. If I'm a rock star and I have plenty of money, then even buying somebody an engagement ring may not be a big investment to me. Right,
0: sunk cost. Oh well, she has a flat in Midtown Manhattan, my car, and a ring, but I yeah. earned that before lunch, so I don't give a crap.
1: You see? Yeah. You got it.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That actually makes too much sense. Um, <laughs> now, now my whole world is turned upside down. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, no, it's okay. Uh, so, how do we create say more treasures in a relationship environment?
1: Yeah, so there's some really interesting research on this too. you know one of, one of the th- things that I found interesting was a lot of people, if you've ever taken a psychology one1 class, one of the things that you learn pretty early on is that we get pretty excited over what they call random rewards. And what they mean by that is we don't know if the reward is going to come or not. When we consistently get something, we kind of get used to it. You know, when you first got that paycheck, you were like, woohoo, you know, and then over time, you kind of, it's not as rewarding over time because it's consistent, right? But if you get some random reward, you know, you, you, you know, win a really cool t-shirt or something, you're like, "Ah, I love this t-shirt, even if, you know, because it was random and you didn't expect it. So how does this play out in relationships? Well, one I think, and you kind of mentioned this earlier, we can get used to the treasures that we get from that person and we stop even seeing them, you know, okay, kiss kiss goodbye in the morning, you know, and I love you, uh, Wow, the way that he or she looks in that, you know, in what they're wearing. Um, how funny they are! Whatever we can get used to it. So one of the things is to know that we're, we we tend to do that, and to not let that happen. To really be present in the moment and see what we really value about something, why we're staying with it. But the other thing is, and this just gets into kind of a little a little a little practice that that a person can do to get someone else say to treasure the relationship more. You might throw in some random stuff. You know, everybody knows how to you know buy flowers on on valentine's day right everybody knows how to how to get you know cook a good meal on uh your anniversary but if you start throwing those kinds of things in on a totally unassuming day that's actually going to mean a lot more you know what i mean it will actually be valued they won't be able to help it they'll just be like oh my gosh be so much more excited than if if they were expecting it
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense as well right because because it, it triggers different switches or whatever. It's like doing a drug all the time, right? Or drinking a lot.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do they call that you get? It's like a dependence. Tolerance. And you're used to it. Tolerance. That's the word I needed. Yeah, right. tolerance. Yeah. yeah. We get a tolerance for the things that we value in our lives. You know, do you ever, have you ever, you know, you don't have to answer this, but have you ever got bought like a new car? Right. Oh, I
0: thought you were going to ask me about drugs and drinking. I was like, I'm totally open about that. But my car, none of your business. Easy. I would, a
1: yeah. lighter question.
0: Yeah. Have yeah. I ever bought a new car? Yes, I have.
1: Oh, yeah. And you just at the beginning, it's just like, oh my gosh, you know, um, look at how cool
0: this thing is. It has satellite radio. Next day, don't even care. Right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. But if we could get into the practice and the discipline of like, what did I really value about this to begin with? You know, both our commitment and our happiness would go up.
0: That's interesting. How do we do that, though?
1: The the practice of the being in the moment? hmm mm, You know, that's where I want to call on things that are a little bit out of my expertise, but that other people are, are really good at. Right.
0: We can talk them. about woo-woo stuff in another yeah, episode. I'm
1: thinking like mindfulness, right, and that kind of thing, and, and not just seeing, but really seeing. I don't know. I'm Again, I'm a little out of my expert area, but.
0: So going back to the sunk cost thing, the more we invest in a relationship, and Of course, the more they invest, our partners invest in a relationship. And I mean, time, tenderness, tangible stuff, not just dollars and cents, but, you know, a lot of
1: the love and kindness,
0: emotional investment, I think is probably more powerful.
1: Right? Like, if you're imagining a future with someone, guess what? That is actually investing in the relationship. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, you want to do that if you're getting the feedback from them that the feeling is mutual, right? (laughs) And that you're getting good data about this person that they're, you know, I hate to scientificize it. I think I just made up a word, Um, you know, but you want to get good data and make sure this is a good match. You don't want to just start fantasizing about a future with anybody because then you're going to start to get attached and that may be inappropriate.
0: Okay. I'm taking a note here because we're actually going to be able to scientifically then answer the question. Is it Good to live together before you get married.
1: Oh my gosh. That question has kind of been answered. Right? But I I don't know if people are going to like the answer.
0: No, go for it. That's the idea is I want to hear what science has to say, not what Dr. Laura has to say. or somebody else's mom has to say based on their moral judgments and other things that aren't helping us.
1: Absolutely. There's no, this, yeah, what the the content that I'm going to give you from the research, it's, you know, that's our job as social scientists is to take the morality out of it and to just cleanly evaluate the data. And there is a lot of data on people living together before marriage and statistically speaking, that increases the likelihood of divorce um, significantly, like beyond what would be chance, right? You're more likely to be divorced if you live together before you get married. Now that's interesting, but I think what's more interesting is why, right? Mm -hmm. One of the theories and and there's good evidence for this theory goes back to, well, you may end up marrying someone that wasn't a perfect, or I shouldn't say perfect, but wasn't really a, a good fit for you. Because you invested so much in that relationship. You've oh, that's so
0: important. That is you such a, it, yeah, that's such an important distinction because people go. If you
1: were dating, you uh, wouldn't have married them.
0: Right. See, people don't get that. and And I've never been able to articulate it that way before, but that is dead on. Because you're so emotionally, slash, whatever, and inv- tangibly invested in that yeah, other person, too. Yeah. Th- that you go, you know what? We should get married because that's what happens now. We've m- we're living together and blah, 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 and w- everything's all set up. So yeah. let's do it. Versus before, if they were living with their mom and you were, you know, a young bachelor, you'd be like, fuck this. I don't need this, this garbage. Right. Yeah. And, and, and you'd be over it. However, people who are arguing for a moral agenda, quote unquote, will say, see, look, people who cohabitate before they get divorced because it's immoral or it's a bad idea for some other nebulous reason that they can't actually pinpoint.
1: Yeah. No, this is, this is what it really is. And there's actually some good news in this. I love this phrase that the researchers um, use to describe this process of ending up married sort of by accident because you were living together. They call it sliding versus deciding. So we kind of slid into it, rather than making a conscious choice. Like if you're living in, you know, you're still at your mom's house or whatever, like you said, you have to like really decide, do we want to get married? But if you're already there, you have a dog together, right? Right. You have a mortgage together. You are, you know, all of your friends know you as a couple, you know, all of your neighbors, you know, that you have, a. a, you're really kind of invested at this point. It's easier to just kind of slide into it. Now that if you get lucky and you happen to move in with someone who's a really great fit for you, then fine. You know, no, no no harm, no foul, right? Right.
0: But the investment will cloud that calculation in your Absolutely. head.
1: Absolutely. And here's the other little trick. Sometimes people move in together because they're really not sure about the viability of the relationship and they want to test it out.
0: Yeah, terrible idea though, right?
1: And so then that's like increasing the likelihood that you'll actually marry the wrong person.
0: Right. That's like saying, I'm really not sure if I like this house, so I'm going to buy it and then live in it for a while and then see right. what I think after a year of fixing it up.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Right, you're not going anywhere. The
1: market goes down. Da- right, exactly.
0: <laughs> yes. You're like, no way! I just refloored the garage. I painted the room. I repaired the hinge on that door. The faucet doesn't leak anymore. This is my house. Yeah. I don't care that the that the porch on just the back is exhibit, about to fall you'll off.
1: You keep. You'll keep- putting more and more into it.
0: Right, right, totally. To try to make it
1: work, right, because the next step, you know, people, now here I'm going away from the research a little bit, but but just you can kind of hypothesize with me here. The next step might be, well, we're not happy, so guess what? We should have kids.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you see what
1: I mean? Invest so, more. And now there's another investment, you see, and um, it's, it's like we're trying to fix the wrong problem.
0: That is super interesting, and this is probably the most helpful part of any of this research as far as my audience is concerned, because we're constantly going back. So here's the rule of thumb that I just came up with and feel free to tweak it a little bit. And okay. guys out there listening, if they have a rule of thumb, feel free to write in and let me know what you think. But um, it seems like you shouldn't move in together unless you were willing to, in theory, get married to that person at that same time. But logistics or something are not letting that work out or, or, you're or something. you so
1: great is your rule of thumb is actually supported by data.
0: Yes. Yes. That's why I do this for a living.
1: So, what they found—I'm—I'm I'm being totally serious here. What they found was when they when they asked people, "Did you decide to marry the person before you moved in with them?" So, in other words, you could move in with someone and not get married right away, but if you'd already decided that you wanted to, that um, those cohabitating relationships were not more likely to end in divorce.
0: That is so awesome. And it makes me feel really smart. So your
1: problem is really perfect. That's a really good question to ask yourself. And
0: Excellent. You
1: don't want to think like, well, it won't hurt to just live with them. No, because investments no. are that powerful. I mean, so much research from economics to social, you know, psychology, tells us how powerful those are. Now, again, they're powerful in a bad way if if you're if you're investing in something that's you haven't really thought through and it's not right. really right for you.
0: Like I'm committed to an abusive person that, you know, is getting me hooked on heroin or something.
1: Far too often, right? It happens far too often. Yeah. But if you're wanting, if you really want to create something wonderful with someone and you already know that, then invest and contribute to that relationship like crazy. You see?
0: Yes. Wow. That is, okay. That's super interesting and very helpful. The, of course, then the trick is, for guys living with their girlfriends right now going, Did I decide to marry her before we moved in? Yeah, probably would have, you know, I'm probably yeah, okay. Well
1: let me throw this out. And none of this is based on morality or right and wrong or anything or anything like that. It's just, you know, what 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 are the patterns that we see in society? And I like I know we like to think we're exempt from the patterns, but they're they're there for a reason. But you know, I think what I would say at that point is, you know, how much more are you willing to invest to find out? If this person is right for you and, yeah. and set kind of a limit for yourself. You right. Know, like I'm, I'm willing to invest, you know, X number of more months or X number of more dollars or, you know, whatever makes sense to you. Um, X more amount of my heart, if you can quantify that. Um,
0: but don't don't yeah. set yourself up to fail psychologically by moving in or, or having like yeah. excessive sunk costs, because then that will taint your calculation.
1: Right. And it only increases over time.
0: Oh, man, that is. Yeah. Right. You can't help it. You literally can't help it. Your closet is getting filled with her stuff as we speak. While you're listening to this, she's putting a toothbrush in your bathroom or whatever.
1: As predictable as gravity. Yep.
0: Wow. Wow. So interesting. So interesting. So- all right, so then we need. Let, to.
1: Let's, let's, let, me, let me. I mean, I know there's not too many women listening, but I would just there's say pl-
0: there are thousands of women listening. Okay, right
1: okay, now. great. So I would say, um, you know, sometimes women come up with a theory, and maybe they because they know this rule of thumb, they come up with a theory. Well, I think what would be great is if we live together, and then he'll realize, and he'll end up marrying me, right?
0: Right. Well, it's like the nice guy going, if I just keep driving her to the airport and being super yeah. sweet to her and buying her things, she'll eventually start to love me because. I'm investing in her dot, dot, dot. My twisted logic says that that will make right. her like me more. Even but are, it's doing yeah, the are they
1: investing back is really, yeah. is really the question. Right. Although familiarity does tend to breed liking. So there is something to that theory. Right. But as long as you're not being like a doormat or whatever, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, that, that women or men who decide it would be a good idea to live together because that will convince them to marry me are a little off too, because you don't want to end up marrying the wrong person either.
0: Right. Right. Well, yeah, of course. Of course. Now back to the good stuff. So we need to start thinking about what we really want to be committed to and be willing to let go of stuff that maybe we're not really super gung ho about. Or, I mean, how do we make that calculation? How do we decide what to be committed to? Is it just stuff that's logically good for us? Because there is definitely an emotional component to commitment, right?
1: Yeah, and, and and here I step away from the science because you know there there's there's no science that can tell you what you should like should do right. I mean, but but I can tell you that my what my belief is, and everybody can I think reflect for themselves and say you know what what does you know um, deserve that's not quite the right word, but um, warrant maybe. Um, my commitment and 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 what doesn't but the way that I base it is on what brings you the most meaning and value in your life and it's different for different people right so for some people you know mountain bike riding right really is a meaningful a deeply meaningful part of their lives and they want to find a way to be as committed to that as they can and, and really be able to sustain that for a long period of time. For somebody else that, that wouldn't provide any meaning for them. Um, you know, somebody else it might be, you know, starting my own business will be deeply meaningful and, and valuable to me. Um, or a relationship, an important relationship or family relationships. Um, you know, and it's it's just funny when you reflect, you know, what really brings your life meaning and value. Invest more in that. And now see if you can invest a little bit less in the things that are really just distractions. Right. Do you really want to be committed to, you know, um, playing Candy Crush? You know, I yeah, mean, right. what is that, you know what I mean? Or is that just a distraction, really?
0: Sure. So where what you're saying, I guess, is where you put your attention also matters sort of in retrospect.
1: Absolutely.
0: Because otherwise it's really easy to go. Netflix has a new series. Game of Thrones is on tomorrow. Oh, my God, World Cup, you know, and that's just what's yeah. on TV, for God's sake. There's a million yeah. things on the Internet at the same time.
1: Right, right, exactly. I mean, just asking oneself the question, you know, what am I really committed to? What, what really brings my life value and meaning and how can I give more to that? And that Perfect. doesn't mean there aren't going to be some weekends that you're going to do a, a house of cards, you know, and watch all of them and you know, yeah. whatever, you know, there's not it doesn't mean there's not going to be those times. We all need a break. But, you know, we can end up filling our lives with so much of that, that we miss out on really reflecting, you know, actually, you know, writing this novel is really important to me. Okay, what would it take to be committed to that? How can I increase the treasures that I'm going to get out of doing it along the way? And how can I decrease the troubles? I don't have a good writing desk. I don't have a good computer, you know, whatever. How can I contribute more? And how can I stop looking at all the other distractions and choices that, that take me away from what's important to me?
0: Excellent. So can we modulate then going, I'm obsessed with the emotional investment part of what you'd said before. Sure. Can we modulate our level of commitment or when we want what we want our level of commitment to be by investing and deciding, okay, this novel is really important to me. So I'm going to rent a, an office that has no internet and I, I'm going to keep my typewriter or whatever in there. Cause I don't want to write on a laptop and I'm going to keep my research materials in there. And I'm going to go there every day after the gym without going home to shower first. And I'm investing and blah, 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 blah. And just doing that all at once because we want to be committed. And then if we're not so sure, we can take it step by step, baby steps to sort of measure. Can we modulate things that way and sort of reverse? That's a
1: great example. Yeah, that's a great example. Because when you're renting out that space, you have a continual investment, right? Every month, money is going to be coming out you know, of you know, your checking account or whatever and going going to to the rent. So there's gonna be that consistent thing. You made the big investment up front. You know, maybe you've made it, maybe you, you pick a place that has a shower there. So you've just reduced the trouble of having to run home and shower or not get a shower or whatever, you know, but to actually think through those four factors and say, you know, and then maybe is there a way to reward yourself? If I write so many pages, I'm going to give myself, you know, this, this great bottle of gin or something like that. You know, of course, if you're a writer, you know, you got to include that in there. right? So, I mean, there.
0: right. You got to have your, your poison.
1: Factors. If you know, you know, these four factors actually are, if I'm like most people these four factors will actually predict how committed I am to staying with this. What can I adjust? You use the word modulate, which is great.
0: So what about in the, in the cases where this fails outright, for example, it's almost a cliche that people who buy the gold membership at the gym, never go to the gym.
1: Yes. There's actually a really good reason for that. Um, Well, what they'll often do is they'll do the big payment up front. Have you ever seen that where you do a big payment up front?
0: Yeah, they they love that when you love
1: that. And let me tell you why you do the big payment up front and then you then you don't pay as much per month. Right. When you don't pay as much per month, what you can do is rationalize that it wasn't that much. Right. And eventually you forget about the big investment you already made. So the trick is, is to keep investing. Okay. Now this month you get a new running buddy. Okay. Now this month you get a new pair of running shoes. This month you put on Facebook that you promise every, all of your friends that you're going to work out three times. You keep investing in it because just, you know, $19 a month is, is, is probably for, you know, depending on what your budget is, it, it may be not enough of an investment to keep it really alive in your mind.
0: Yeah. That, that's, that's absolutely true. Right. Because the money's already gone. It's like the yeah. I, I've signed up for classes that I ended up not being able to take, and I'm like, oh well. And I think about it once every six months. I'm like, oh yeah, I got to find somebody to buy that. And you know, you buy something from a friend, and you're like, and the further away the, yeah, further away, the further away gets, further the easier it get, is. the less oh, yeah. important it becomes. Yeah. Absolutely, that is a hundred percent sure. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay, definitely seeing seeing that in my own life for sure. <laughs> um, and what about going back to the options, right? If if we are wanting to be more committed, and this is a relation, this has relationship applications all over the place, is it? Does it make sense for us to then ignore? What do we do with the other options that are presented to us? Do we just block it out? Like, man, that girl is really pretty. Ah, I'm in a happy relationship. What's my deal? Oh wait, this is hardwired into me as a male. I need to just not worry about it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so there's some really, oh man, I just love the research here, you know, and, and so everybody can choose to do whatever they want, you know, I'm not out there telling, tell people what to do, but, um, but the really interesting research, what they did was they had people, men and women, come into the, you know, the laboratory, and they, they're there under the guise of, you know, you're just going to evaluate these um, advertise, this print advertising, and in the print advertising, there were some of them that, along with the refrigerator, the lawnmower, or whatever was being advertised, was a really attractive, you know, woman. And then with some, it was a really attractive guy. And then in some cases, it was just the ad for the product, and there was no person. Now, unbeknownst to the people in the study, the researcher was tracking, like sitting there timing how long people looked at each ad. So, how long did you look at the ad for the refrigerator with the really attractive woman versus how long did someone look at the ad? um, you know, for the refrigerator and there wasn't an attractive woman in the ad. Right. So we knew, okay, well, obviously they're looking at the woman, not the refrigerator, because that remained the same. And then he tracked them six months later to see who was still in their romantic relationship. Oh,
0: no way. That's awesome.
1: Uh, I know. And they could predict, they ended up, you know, through, um, uh, statistical modeling, it turned out they could predict whether people were still together by how long they looked at the ad of the attractive person.
0: Wow. Do so you track
1: on that? And so now this the, the cause and effect part becomes kind of interesting. So am I less happy in my relationship, though therefore I was looking at the ads longer, and that led to the lower commitment? Or is it possible that spending time really taken in those pretty pictures you know that that in and of itself started to reduce my commitment
0: i i would say that's for sure because i do I mean, i'm a guy right i'm hardwired to look at this stuff all guys do it um we do have to ignore that it is tough you can be yeah. i mean we've seen this a million times on with celebrities and other folks too they're married to supermodels literally yes. and then you you've i mean look at like arnold schwarzenegger for god's sake right i mean right. What and, the hell? And all the
1: other examples like that.
0: Yeah. yeah. And you're just like, what on well, earth? And, and they're people like, like
1: that are going to have more choices. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. You know, that's their burden to, to live with, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and you got to block it out. I mean, you literally have to not go to the party where your friend says there's yes, going to
1: At least not like let yourself really go there do you know what i mean yeah like, of course to notice right to just go oh that's an attractive person and then okay what are the features of the refrigerator right right um versus like really you know your jaw starts to out a drop or right whatever. but I, I would also say you know and there's that's one of the other troubles with things that you research is you find out well like this is good but then oh, there's this caveat the caveat is is that if you try to force someone not to look and you know this is a, a favorite thing of women right is to go hey stop looking at her right that if you try to force someone not to look it's called the forbidden fruit hypothesis of course. um that you actually become more interested in looking because you're not supposed to right it's like going on a diet and saying well i so i won't eat french fries and all of a sudden french fries sound like the best thing you could possibly have because it's been put off off limits so um you know, don't overly force yourself not to look, but just pay attention. You know, how much am I doing this, and you know, is that a sign that I actually want a different relationship? If so, keep at it. But if it's just a bad habit, let's 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 bring that down a notch. You know,
0: mm-hmm. excellent, very cool. That's something that is very tricky. I know a lot of guys do it a lot. They're constantly looking around, and I think it also kind of depends on what's going through your head when you're looking around. If you're looking around, and you're just going. Oh, she's pretty. Oh, there's a lot of pretty girls here versus looking around and going, hmm, you know, and really kind of letting your mind, yeah, what would that be like taking your mind down that road?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And all this we're saying goes for men and women. There's not a big, you know, sex difference in in how this stuff works. The the research that I've told you so far had both men and women in the studies and found the same thing.
0: Oh, that's good to know. So us guys, we don't have to feel bad about it all the time
1: just make
0: choices interesting so or take choices away
1: or take yeah (laughs) good point
0: right point i mean i think you said that but i'll take credit if you're giving it out that's great that's great (laughs) um excellent and and of course going back to what you'd said before keep some things random because the reward system once it gets predictable you know there there goes some of the the positive effect that you get just from throwing that dopamine around
1: yeah Excellent. Yeah, I, I, yeah. There, like this one very vivid example I thought of was that I'd had this really bad day and I was out with some girlfriends for a glass of wine and I was just still having a terrible day and I was reflecting on some things that had gone really wrong. My husband knew that I'd been having a terrible day and he suddenly shows up at the wine shop where we are and he hands me a little gift and it's this coffee mug and it's it's a coffee mug that is the kind that you would see in in new york if you've ever been in new york they have those paper ones that are really common and so it brought back some really good memories to me and it was like so rewarding to get that coffee cup from him i'm like oh my god i totally didn't expect this now contrast that with you know christmas morning and you see a box that's about the size of yeah, coffee cup. Because you don't know it's a coffee cup, right? And you think, well, what is it? What is it? And you open it, and it's like coffee cup. Oh well, you know, you know, is it going to have the same impact uh, as when it's given really at a random and unexpected time?
0: Of course not. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. So, so, so you know,
1: it's kind of logical, but you it's know, like it's like those those guys
0: who put an engagement ring in a huge air conditioner box, and then inside it is a little tiny box. Pretty smart. And there's a ring in there.
1: Pretty smart.
0: Boom! Not to give away my strategy, much better anyway. <laughs> um
1: <laughs> yeah pretty smart excellent. But now let's do that on an on an average day when nobody's expecting it too
0: perfect right yeah even then right don't even wait for the holiday just yep. sneak it in there and that's you know, always the best
1: for for work I mean if you have you know if you're a manager or something like that you know know that people are gonna get used to the reward system over time and every once in a while mix it up just throw in a random hey we picked you know the best whatever for the week and out of the blue you know and give them a, you know, a book or a, you know, certificate to local steakhouse or whatever. And they're not expecting it. It's like, whoa, you know, that's going to get everybody's attention.
0: Perfect. Thanks so much, Heidi. Is there anything that you want to leave us with?
1: Uh, You know, I just think the biggest thing is to really think about what is most meaningful and valuable to you. Anybody can accomplish, you know, this amazing things um, if they, if they reflect on what they value and then fully commit to it. And, and let you be the driving force instead of, you know, having commitments, you know, thrown at you.
0: Right. Happen to you, right. You can make a choice in the process.
1: Yeah. Yeah. As yeah. a side note, I uh, have a student uh, in my graduate program who is, just defended his thesis yesterday and his topic was, um, what do, what kind of benefits come, if any, from doing the Art of Charm camp. And in order to investigate the question, he interviewed 18 people who have been through the program. And I just wanted to say that, um, you know after reading his thesis multiple times and giving him feedback you know I was really impressed with the work that you guys are doing he he found some really interesting things about what people come out with as a result of that experience um just ranging from you know really feeling much more self aware and having a really eye opening experience about you know who they are and what they can do and then also just feeling like they're part of a part of a community like a group of guys that you know a fraternity kind of feeling and um you know, those kinds of getting those kinds of experiences, you know, you often don't get it in school. You, you certainly don't learn it anywhere. And, um, but you guys seem to really be providing that for people. And so I just wanted to say, you know, you know, based on his, you know, interviews, you know, I, I just want to say good job and, and keep it up. They just, they said things like that their life, I mean, that their lives had been transformed, that they, they, you know, the word, the term eye opening was used, um, by by almost everybody, increased confidence and self-esteem and, um, and, and having a, um, a sort of a a fraternity of, of men, you know, of, of, of like-minded people that they felt a part of, you know, and those things are just so, so important and there's not enough places where you can do that and learn that.
0: Thanks so much. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. All right, great episode, even if I do say so myself. Heidi Reader, author of Commit to Win. Definitely check out the book, HeidiReader.com, linked in the show notes, Twitter at Heidi Reeder, and, of course, the book will be out on Amazon as well. Commitment, what is it? Defined and separated from willpower and determination. That's interesting. Didn't see that one coming. And the tricks to help you get more committed or break commitment when necessary are probably priceless, both in terms of relationships and business. Love that science finally answered the question about whether we should live together before marriage as well. And guys, great new skill, how to modulate your commitment for better or for worse by investing and modulating your investing. That is actually fascinating and something that you should think about whenever you're in a relationship, business, or any transaction for that matter. And of course, the fallacies of sunk cost and rationalization always biting us in the butt when we're not paying attention. Hope you guys dug this one with Heidi Reeder. Again, check out the book. It is fantastic. Now let's wrap with a fashion tip from Aaron Marino. Due to popular demand, we got fashion tips from my man Aaron Marino from imalpha dot He's going to be dropping some knowledge on us to learn how to dress our best. So here's the deal. So some guys, you know, they'll they'll have this tiny, you know, collar sizes are different. The the spread, whether or not it's point, you know, if if you want to make sure, just like with lapels and ties, you want to make sure that that knot is the same. You know, dimension. So if you're wearing a tiny little collar and a super big knot, it looks ridiculous. Ah, so it's similar to the bow tie, or sorry, it's similar to the tie width matching your collar as well. The knot also needs to match the collar. Correct. Okay. And when it doesn't, you end up with like a weird, it looks like you're, again, you've got the goofy clown tie going on. Exactly. Like if you're wearing a spread, a a real wide spread and you've got a a foreign hand, a real tiny knot, there's that knot needs to fill that space. And so it just looks off. Um, You know, you don't want a super huge knot with super small collars and, you know, they are making some collars that are taller, have a higher stance. You also don't want to go super small with your knot as well. Great. For more from Aaron Marino, search for Alpha M on YouTube or go to imalpham.com. Solid show as usual, if I do say so myself. Show feedback and guest suggestions. We rely on you guys to help keep our finger on the pulse. So if you know someone who's a good fit for the show, let us know at JordanH at theartofcharm.com. Bootcamp details, that's our live training at theartofcharm.com, And that's also where you can find links to us on Twitter, Facebook, and other social media. If you're listening to this but you're not subscribed in iTunes or Stitcher, then that needs to change. Getting our shows delivered free to your phone or computer is the best way to make sure you don't miss anything. You can do that by going to iTunes and searching for the Art of Charm podcast or by going to theartofcharm.com slash iTunes and clicking subscribe. That's it. You guys can also help us. If you subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher, give us a five-star rating and write something nice. We'll love you forever. Just go to itunes.com slash theartofcharm and it'll take you right there. When you write us a review, it not only makes us feel proud, but it helps keep us in the ranks so that other people who can use this information can find the show more easily and get the credible advice that they need. It's also the best way to support the show other than purchasing training from us. So tell your friends because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else, either in person or shared on the web. So have a great week. Go out there and get social and leave everything better than you found it.